What's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida to let you know that today is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Exciting announcement. We officially got new damn good day tees in. So you just go to damn good day. That's D-A-M-N goodday.com. I'm telling you, when you roll around in these shirts, people just treat you differently. They're like, oh, hey, it's a damn good day. Your daily chores just become way more interesting. People are more responsive. You go to a bank, you get better service. If you go to the grocery store, you get more smiles. Share the good vibes. If you want to check it out, check out damngoodday.com. And next, I really am excited to talk about the importance of getting several opinions. Now, this is really important to me, specifically from a health perspective, but also it's so important to get many different opinions in health, in business, in everyday daily tasks, all the way down to the people you work with. And what do I mean? On a simple level, imagine you're looking for someone to cut your lawn. Before you just settle on the first or second quote, try to get four or five quotes. Become regular at getting a lot of different insights with people. Too many times we jump the gun out of pure laziness or because it just takes a lot of time and energy. But too many times we jump the gun and, and work with somebody that might not be the perfect fit. I just recently, because I've moved into a house, I've been, you know, a million different things with houses. Everyone that has a house understands. It's like, damn, you didn't know everything costs until you own a house. But you want to get many different quotes. So I got people coming in and out around the clock, making sure, am I getting a good deal here? Listen, I'm not Bob Jones, the builder, right? I know that. And I know I got to find people that are smarter and better than me in life and business and all these things. But I also know that people are always trying to get a deal and always trying to take advantage of people that don't understand. You really want to take your time to find somebody, a doctor, a professional that aligns with your values, that you feel good about giving them money because what's going to happen is that's going to build a long-term foundation. Don't settle. Always look for opinions. I know with my health, if I didn't get several, many different opinions, I would have just been like the other millions of people that are rolling around in, in chronic pain for me with sciatica and many other things. I would have just been like most people that take one opinion from a doctor and then just give up on their life and their body and they just stop looking because one doctor told them you go it ain't it ain't looking too good for you so many people just settle for listening to someone's advice about them which is just their advice of another person so when you go out and you get five six different opinions on all aspects of your life you're going to get a true picture of what's really going on and then from there you can make decisions so this episode i'm really 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 excited to be introducing henry kaminsky he is a free style graphic designer by trade and by trade I mean the school of hard knocks just figuring out a way to make some coin but what's amazing about his story is that he built up this graphic design business to a multi-million branding agency all around helping personality brands create online presence marketing strategy and brand design what I really loved about Henry is his knowledge in the space and how he went through the grind to get there right he made all the mistakes that's why this podcast is going to be great This is what we strive for on this podcast, to find people like Henry, to break down how they did it, how they went from getting involved, how they got out of the corporate life, how they jumped into their entrepreneurship, how they crashed and failed miserably so that we can figure out how to do it and hopefully not make some of the same mistakes he did. And let me tell you, Henry performed. He an outstanding person and also an outstanding entrepreneur. And I know you're going to get a lot of value out of this. On this episode, we discussed the differences between good funnels and bad funnels tips to scale your freelancing business, how your business is a reflection of your values, and unforeseen challenges when scaling a design business. As always, you can watch this episode live on YouTube, but without further ado, episode 122 with Henry Kaminsky. Let's jump into it. 
We're live. Henry Kaminsky. He's in the virtual studio coming in from New Jersey. Dude, so grateful you're here. This is going to be so much fun. Thanks for jumping on. Ian, man, thanks for reaching out to me. I'm a big fan and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. And you're the guy that's been doing this for a very long time. You have been around the block. You've made all the mistakes, the ups and downs, and uh, you've figured out a way to do it and to, to build this business of yours, helping people around the world build their brands, scale, funnels, all the stuff that most people, everyone needs, but to learn it is very overwhelming, confusing, scary. And it seems that you've done a very good job learning to take all of those uh, inconveniences along the journey of building a business, package it under one roof and help people do that part. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that journey? Ian, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing 14 years later. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, uh, it started off as me being a freelance graphic designer, literally designing club flyers. I used to have a lot of work actually down where you live in Miami. We did quite a bit of work down there uh, when I was when I was in that space. Because um, a lot of the Jersey promoters would go down there and do their big, um, their big music conference debuts and things like that. So yeah, I started off 14 years ago as a freelance designer and I realized as, the business started to mature a little bit around the five year mark. If I didn't start leveling up the value that I deliver for my clients, that I wasn't going to be in business anymore because Fiverr came out and really disrupted the, the whole entire industry. Um, so were you, same, were, did you just have like a handful of clients and you were getting paid a monthly stipend or were you doing it like per? No. So, so or? if you want to go, if you want to go there, I can, I can tell you to, I can tell you the story. So I was working corporate at a local hospital and right out of college, um, they didn't put me in any big position there. I was literally cleaning coffee pots half the day and checking insurances the other half the day. And, but the one thing that they did was they paid for my education to get my master's degree. So I got my master's degree in math, uh, business administration and worked my way up the hospital ladder to not very far, but to an assistant director position at the children's hospital. Um, and I was in charge of creating fundraising events for sudden infant death syndrome. And then being able to take those, take that money that I raised and create events, events for families who had a baby die of SIDS um, in the state of New Jersey. So if you don't know what SIDS is, is when a child under the age of one dies for no reason. So it was a very sad sad thing, but it was also very rewarding to be able to get these families connected with each other. So I had a huge sponsor for one of my events, Z100, one of the biggest radio stations in the world, um, say yes to a sponsorship. So I knew that event needed to be phenomenal. And so my buddy at the time and my best friend to this day uh, sat me down and said, we need to create some great marketing materials for this event. So he was a designer at the time and a club promoter. And uh, he showed me the ropes on graphic design. So he did all of the design work for me for that event, but I just got bit by the creative bug at that point. Fast forward, the event was fantastic. I got my boss at the time to get me the Photoshop program. Now I start doing everything in house. 
And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to build a little side hustle thing out of this. And probably it, it took about a year, a uh, year and a half maybe. And I started making more money than the hospital was paying me. And it just so happened that the hospital was going through some stuff. It was 2008 and they were laying some pe- bunch of people off or, or asking them to leave. Uh, and that's what they asked me. They said, you could stay, but I'm, you're, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna make you somebody's secretary or uh, you can leave. And so I decided to leave. And that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And shortly after that, my first year, I made $248,000 by myself, one man band, just cranking 20 hour days, designing anything I could get my hands on. And then eventually matured that into unique designs, what you see today. But the big thing that you see a lot with Fiverr is a lot of these people, they end up doing really like low cost work. And a lot of these people don't get paid what they're worth or they don't know what they're worth because they're just trying to get a foot in the door. Like we had um, a good friend of mine, Alex Fasulo, she's been on the podcast. She was promoted all over social media for making 350K as a freelancer. She's awesome. You know, Alex? Yeah, I, 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 I read an article on her. I think she was in Forbes. Yeah, she's fantastic. And she was talking about how getting your foot in the door in these platforms like Fiverr and Upwork is so difficult at first. But once you build up that brand, similar to a great Airbnb review, mm-hmm. all of a sudden people start going quicker. So my question is, when you got that first client, right? Was that like a lot using your business background? Were you able to get paid what you're worth there? No, or how did you doing, negotiate that? I, I was doing flyer designs for 50 bucks a pop. And, 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 and I just happened to get a lot of accounts because I was faster than all my competitors. I was a really bad designer. I mean, I look at the stuff that I used to do back then and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe anybody even paid for this stuff. But eventually I got good, you know what I mean? Um, but I was doing designs for 50 bucks a pop. And then when Fiverr came out, I was really struggling hard uh, because I was getting older. I wasn't enjoying that work anymore. And I, I got into a lot of self-sabotage. I, would, I, would, I was just very bitter. And so I said, if I can't beat these giants, I'm going to join them. And I actually became a Fiverr designer for about three months until I couldn't take it anymore. This woman hired me for a business card design, paid me five bucks. And uh, it took it. She wouldn't she wouldn't approve the job. So when I, I, I did the math and it took me about six hours until that woman approved the job. So do the math. I was getting paid like 18 cents an hour or some something crazy, right? And uh, that was it. That was my last straw because I was putting in like 90 hour weeks and getting paid like peanuts. You know, I remember when pay, when Fiverr would put the money into my PayPal and then I would get it off of PayPal. We're talking like $150, you know, like that's not sustainable. So I got out of there real quick and I realized that like I mentioned before, if I don't level up the value that I deliver to my audience, then I'm going to be out of business. And that's where I got into digital marketing and I learned about funnels and I met Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels. And that opened up the next chapter of my business, which, whew, thank God that happened. Otherwise, I'd, I'd probably... I'd be, I'd be like an Amazon, no offense to Amazon delivery people, but I would probably be like working for UPS or something. So when it comes to the funnel situation, funnels are cool because when I hear the word funnel, it makes me think, okay, 
I can actually sell your product through, you know, intentional marketing, which is going to lead to more sales, which is going to have a real ROI. And when you sell a product that has a real ROI, you're able to earn real money, right? Because you can scale up as they scale up. But a lot of these like freelance designs, like you mentioned, you can't earn that real money because it's just one-off jobs that technically anyone could do. So when you're building out these funnels and like when you learn your first funnel, talk to us through the process of designing your first funnel, but then also the first time you brought on and helped someone else do their funnel. Oh my Lord. I I mean, I was throwing everything against the wall to see what would stick. Um, As far as my first funnel, I had like free plus shipping offers where it would be like, um, I would design your business card for free but you would have to pay for the shipping of the business card. Like I was just trying to figure out how I could apply this to, to a graphic designer, right? At the time. And then what I realized was there's a, con- there's a continuity play here. And, and I created this program called the Branding on the Man program. And basically it was very much like uh you pay me X amount of dollars per month. You get X amount of design projects that I could that I will do for you, and uh, that's it, right? You, you now you have a fixed cost for your graphic design, and I have recurring income, so it was a win-win, right? The right. problem with that was it was just me designing at the time. So when I actually launched that thing, I had 40 people sign up at the same time. That was overload for me. And it completely destroyed that program almost overnight. It took me about 30 days for me to realize that I'm not going to be able to do this on my own as a freelance designer. I need a team. I need a team. So I did the right thing. I, I, I closed the program down and I built out my team and then reop- reopened up the program and it was a major success. I mean, we were doing like 30 grand a month in just design work, you know, freelance design work. People would come to us and be like, I need this, I need that, I need mailers, I need menus, I need, and we had, we had, we had um, restaurants, we had salons, we had all types of different businesses. But what got me excited was this whole funnel thing because what I saw people doing with click funnels was amazing. However, I saw a huge gap. The funnels looked like shit. They looked horrible. And there was nobody at the time designing good looking funnels. And there was this big debate at the time, like you don't need a good design for a funnel. You just need a good offer and a good copy and you're going to be fine, right? That is true to a point, right? I'll give you a quick example. I'll give you a quick example. Um, When I was first starting out, my my funnel designs were crap too because I had to figure out how to create quality design inside of that platform. So I remember clients reaching out to me going like, did you get a new website? And I was like, no. They were like, well, this is definitely not the quality that we're used to, you know, seeing these kinds of landing pages. And I was like, I know, give me time. (laughs) But they were basically saying, Henry, your stuff 
kind of looks spammy and scammy. Um, you got to get, you got to get that going, you know what I mean? And so what I realized was I got to get my feet wet with this stuff. So I learned how to design and click funnels and used all the different techniques and tips and tricks that a normal click funnels user would not be able to do. Okay. And that's coming from my design background. Right. But then I realized there's probably people out there that could design these damn things way better than I can. Why don't I hire them? And that's when I started to build out a team of designers that actually did that work, right, for me. And I took a step up, I guess, if you will, and played more of the creative director role instead of the worker B role. And that really, really changed my business for forever, really, and to this day. Um, and now we have a, a full team, 14 creatives from video editing to copywriting to design development, the whole nine that actually serve our clients at a much higher level uh, than I could one-on-one. -on -one. So what we do, what, what I'm responsible for is now the brand strategy. I need to create the strategy that informs the design. That information will then create the funnel properly because there's a lot of people using funnels incorrectly they think they have a brand they think they have a message they think they have a logo they think they have a digital footprint but they don't but they're quick to put put a funnel together to try to sell something and that's the biggest i think mistake you can make if you don't have that solid foundation for your brand no matter what you make via funnel it's not going to be as successful as you as it could be. Right. And what are some of those things that you because you went through the Derek, the Derek Brunson, right? Eric, uh, Eric Russell, 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 Russell Brunson, right? And then you went through his program and it was super successful and you're able to get the foundation. But then you added the creative elements on top from your background in design and things of that nature. Was there anything else that you saw that was a difference maker beyond just if two people had the exact same funnels? Why would someone go with your team and not someone else's? Yeah, personal brand, period. End of story. I put all my chips on personal branding a thousand percent. I'll give you a quick example. So I hired Russell with money I didn't have at the time to help me get out of this 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 purgatory of of just spending every every dollar that you make to try to just stay afloat, right? And tread water. And when he came when I went into his program at the, uh, he looked at my website, which I had just gotten redone because I got, I got denied by a big six figure deal. And because they told me that my, my, my online presence didn't look big enough for them. So they were taking a chance on me yet. They hired somebody else five times more expensive than I did because they had the reputation and the online presence, right? So that really pissed me off. So I went and I spent $26,000 on a fancy website that didn't do anything for me because I didn't have the proper brand strategy myself to actually make a move. So Russell looks at the site and says, holy crap. I mean, you're an amazing designer. Look at this site, but there's one thing missing. It's you. You're this animated, extroverted guy who is really great at design, but you're nowhere to be found. So he was the one that actually triggered me to 
create this like origin story video of how I got started and why I got started and all of that. Slap that on my, my, my new website. Um, and I started getting sales and I was like, holy crap, this is, this stuff is working. This personal brand stuff is working. Now, fast forward, once I started to really understand what social media was and realized how important it is to show up on social media consistently, did I realize, wow, this could be the game changer, the X factor to help me stand out from all the other designers out there because a lot of the designers get this like um, uh, stigma that, you know, they, 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 they dress up in hoodies and they hang out in coffee shops and they just design on a laptop all day. And that was the farthest thing from me. Like I was very business focused, very business savvy growing up. I had a, I had a, I had entrepreneurs in my family since before I was ever born. Right. So I was learning from uncles and my father worked four jobs. He had three side hustles. So like, you know, I, I, I had this business sense and I leveraged the hell out of that. And that's why people were hiring me because a lot of the designers, they don't know the business. They know the art, they know the creative, but they don't know the business side of things. And I was just gobbling up market share because I was more business focused than anybody else. And to this day, I'm still very business focused. So, so if a brand comes up to you and you basically go beyond the beautiful elements and Tootsies and you say, hey, look, this is what the actual results would be from this because of the experience we've done with A, B, C, and D. And then in their experience, they're like, oh, shit. Like you basically make their job easy and they're like, okay. Easy and faster, okay? Like what we get done in the Brand Accelerator program takes sometimes businesses years to accomplish. And that's why we call it the Brand Accelerator Program. I didn't come up with that name because I thought it was uh, cute and everybody else was using the word accelerator. This program has been around for four and a half years. So I noticed over time, the word accelerator got really popular. And I was like, you know what? I'm not changing the name. I've been around a long time. So I'm not going to change the name because everybody else is using it. I'm just going to explain why the program is what it's called. And basically what I'm allowing business owners to understand and showcasing is you can't design anything without strategy, without a game plan, without understanding who you're designing the brand and the offers and the funnels for, right? Right. Like understanding your end audience, understanding who they are, understanding who, like who those people are. And then, yeah. And why you, like, why, why should somebody hire you when there's thousands of other people that do what you do? What are some other ways beyond building funnels for, let's say like a, a website funnel or Instagram funnel? What are other ways you've sound, you found in today's environment to be really effective drivers of people to the funnels in the first place? Oh my God, live video. Live video is huge. I remember my, my brother-in-laws, they're much younger than me, but they used to tease me years ago, probably five years ago, when live just kind of was coming out. I would go live every day. I loved it because I love getting in front of the camera. I love talking. Like I just loved it. And they were like, Oh, there he goes again, going live, going live, going live. And they used to tease the hell out of me. Now, one of them has this big Twitch channel 
And all he does is play video games and gets paid for it live. <laughs> right. So it, I'm like, see, I saw it. So when, when you're live with an audience, right. And this is where there's a huge land grab here still. And if you're nervous of going live, chances are you're missing out because when you're live, you have an opportunity to engage and connect with potential customers. And you have them literally eating out of the palm of your hands if you know how to work that live, okay? And so when you're live with an audience, and it takes time to build in, I'm not saying you're gonna go live once and there's gonna be 187 people on the live. You gotta build that up. You gotta prove to your audience why they should spend five minutes with you on a live stream. And then you have to have the proper vehicles and the proper offers and the proper positioning to get them off of that live into an email list or into an SMS list or into a funnel to get them indoctrinated into what it is that you want to sell them. And that's probably one of the most interesting annoyances that a lot of people are, are figuring out today is that <laughs> They might, ha they might be down to do the live. They might be down to build the audience, but they don't have a super targeted niche where they funnel them into. And if you don't have that, then you're never going to convert, right? You're just casting a giant net, but catching nothing. Exactly. And that's why we drill down. Like we have a, I have a sweet spot who, when it comes to clients, I love to work with. This is a, a entrepreneur personality brand or personal brand coach consultant somewhere along those lines right who has been around a while not getting the traction that they want okay they're making money but they know that there could be more they're they're in that low to maybe sub mid six figures and they're trying to get to seven right and i've been there i've done that I've made multiple seven figures over the course of 14 years. I know how to get there now. So I am, I was one of them before, right? So that's my sweet spot. So I know what they're struggling with. I know what they're going, because I went through it. I went through it. So that's who we focus on. Like when I say we, I, it's, it's me and my team. And that's the client that we want to serve to help them get to that seven figure mark. We've done it multiple times. And there's probably just some short, small, I shouldn't say short, but small tweaks, incremental changes that need to be made for them to get there. And yeah. that's what we help them with. And how would you compare the difference between a personal brand and let's say a, uh, uh, a traditional SaaS company, right? Brands. Yeah, right. So you have this from a personal brand standpoint, uh, it would be someone like me who builds a personal brand and I am the brand of my podcast, the damn good day show, things of that nature, or you have uh, network marketing is huge for personal brands, people right. that are building their network marketing business or online funnel people are big for the personal brand or whatever you're doing. But then you have a business like imagine Facebook comes up to you or Twilio or, you know, one of these bigger corporations or a small startup and they want to help you define their brand. What is the differentiators there? And do you find it just as successful on both fronts or more on one or the other? No, I think, I think it's, it needs to be done in tandem. Building your business brand and building your personal brand needs to be done in tandem. I wouldn't focus on too much of one, okay? Because they're, they're, your business brand is 
quite frankly, in my opinion, an offshoot of who you are. So if you are super organized, super disciplined, super detail oriented, um, your business brand is going to show that. Okay. It's going to show that like my, <laughs> my, my, my clients get a kick out of how, how systematic I am and how clean everything is. You ask my wife, she's impressed with me over the years because I am a super neat freak where most men aren't right. And it shows in my business. It shows in the way that I operate a business. I'm super clean. I'm super organized and I want to make sure everything's in the right places and so on. So it's very, very important to build your personal brand. I would say if you're just starting out first, because I'm going to gravitate to Ian, I'm going to gravitate to Henry because there's some, some sort of spiritual connection there, right? There's some sort of interpersonal connection there. And then I'm going to, that dial into what it is that you're offering, you know, and, and if there's somebody else offering something similar, who do you think I'm going to go to when it's, when it's time to buy, I'm going to go to the person who I like resonated with respect, the most. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, this, you've come from the network marketing space. So people are going to buy from you because you've put in the work and uh, created that relationship. So, when you build out your business brand, however, that's where you have a real opportunity to scale. That's where you can productize. That's when you can actually build out and, and, and create a brand that becomes way bigger than you could as a personal brand. And that's, that's really fun to do. I've done both and I've helped personal brands build out their business brands. And I've seen how they've been able to scale that into seven figures and beyond um, by doing it systematically. What about the, so you mentioned organization is, is great. If you're a neat freak and it reflects in your business with how you do everything, everyone's like, all right, this person, this team has their shit together. They're not going to let anything slip. Right. Is, you know, amazing. Right. Cause I want to hire a cleaner to my house who knows how to clean the house and will put stuff away and naturally understands it. And if they do a good job, it makes a big difference. Right. Same thing with running a company. Sure. What are some of the tools that throughout the years that have become absolute game changers when communicating with the 15 person team and yeah. just being effective? That's a great, great question. So the first thing that I would, I would, I would do is um, invest in Slack, invest in Monday.com. There's Trello, there's um, Basecamp. Um those are project management platforms that are going to help you systemize things, build out your processes. Slack is the, is the communication tool that we use to talk to 15 people from four different continents, right? Uh, four different time zones, right? So that's where the daily communication. ClickFunnels, another great software to be able to let, roll out offers quickly. Um, there's another software out there that we use um, well, obviously your merchant services like Stripe and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, there's a bunch of stuff out there. I guess those are the main ones, you know, th those are the main ones, Slack Monday, uh, uh, you know, Stripe click funnels, uh, Typeform is another great one. Yeah. Typeform is a great way to get feedback, create, uh, from your audience, create quizzes, create lead you know, lead, yeah. lead gen things. Cause yeah. when I hear type firm, I think a lot, I think there's a lot of really, really good salespeople out there. 
yeah. um, but there's not a lot of good operations people. And I feel operations is the missing ingredient after yeah. being a great salesperson, just to organize everything in a way that scales and systematically do it. So you don't get overwhelmed so that you grow at a, at a pace where everyone can maintain their work. It's been interesting. I've just been learning more and more about that realm. And I'm envious of people that naturally that comes very easy to them where they can just, you know, go hire 20 people in the Philippines. And next thing you know, they have a scaled out system with hiring and, and, uh, uh paths for, uh, promotions and building through it. Cause if you can build that out, then you just essentially create a business, a game and people just funnel through it. And now you're, you're rocking and rolling. You know, it, it, I, if I'd be lying to you guys, if I said that, that I, I did that overnight, you know, that, that took, that took close to 36 months to nail down. And once we nailed it down, we thought, we thought it was locked tight and it, and, and, and it collapsed when we had overwhelming amounts of clients. And so I almost lost the business at that point because uh, financially I wasn't as intelligent as I am today. And uh, we had two disgruntled clients, not fun, not their fault either. My processes and systems were not in place like they should have been. And what, what um, were some of those downfalls in terms of the process? Do you mind sharing some? Yeah. So for example, uh, one, not qualifying the client properly. So we had brought on two clients that we should have not had brought on in the first place. They were micromanagers. They were people that were looking for pixel pushers and they wanted to dictate to us what they wanted, where we don't work like that now. We tell you how to do it. That's why you're hiring us, right? So there was poor positioning on our part in the beginning um, and we should have better qualified those clients prior to bringing them on. When they came on board, we didn't have the checks and balances that we should have. We didn't have the strategic front end. So we were just having clients like fill out a questionnaire like every other freaking designer does. And uh, we, were, we were basically trying to build off of their answers. Well, if they didn't know who the hell they were serving and they were putting down some random stuff in this survey, then we're designing very blindly and building out things very blindly. So that was another big mistake that we made. This is a great question, Ian. I never really talked about this before in detail, but it's a great learning lesson. Like for real, it, it's, it's once we realize that, man, we need to beef up our front end strategy before we go and try to build anything. So that's why we take our clients through a super comprehensive discovery it's about five or six Zoom sessions before we actually even touch a Photoshop file and start building out identity and websites and funnels. And once we get done with that strategy up front, we have a real good understanding of who the founder is, who the competitors are, what their brand stands for, who they're serving, why they're serving them. And that's a, some really great information to go out and now start to build brand identities and funnel systems to help them bring in more of those types of clients that they want to serve. Got it. So it also helps you get the right people to the front door in the first place, besides you having to then ninja turtle them out. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. So what about the feedback loop with this, right? I think a lot of times when we start making like our biggest checks or our biggest months, 
life is so great, right? You're like, ah, I'm like on a new level. This is insane. I, I never want this to stop. Like, can this just go on forever? And then naturally, by the transitive property, you end up wanting more, you want change, you want growth, like anything in life, like being yeah. stagnant is eventually just haunts you because yeah. you always want to achieve these goals. And then when you hit the goal, maybe it wasn't everything you thought it was, or you look back, you're like, I achieved all my goals and I don't have any new goals. What are some of the feedback loops you've developed, maybe with colleagues, with friends, yeah. masterminds, or any of yeah. those things that kind of check you out the door or, or maybe help you kind of improve? Yeah, well, th this, is, this is a great question and a great conversation that leads to a personal story. I mean, I was making seven figures when I was 25 years old. I grew up very modest. My father worked as a mechanic at UPS for 33 years. Like I didn't have all the fancy stuff growing up and I did have a rich uncle who had all of that stuff. So I was caught between a blue collar dad and a super rich uncle. Where, where, where do, where do I fit? And I just got, I gravitated to the stuff. I gravitated to the flash as a, as a young kid. And I said, when I make money of my own, I'm going to, I'm going to have all that stuff. And I did, I had four cars before I had a garage to put them in. Okay. I've had, I had clothes. I went on vacations. I went, I had all the stuff, the watches, everything. And I still wasn't happy. I still was not happy. And I started to have family members resent me. My wife, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she almost left because she was like, Henry, I didn't sign up for this. I remember you when you didn't have two nickels to rub together. Like, this isn't, this isn't what I want. I want you to be happy. I want us to be happy. And I wasn't, I was miserable. I was, I had more money than I knew what to do with, but I was miserable. What and were you so, doing at the time to make that money? Design. Oh. Yeah, designed. I never did anything else. You know, this is all I've been doing for the past 14 years. You know, I, I, I got really good at sales. I got really good at marketing. I got really good at, at, at my craft. But I was miserable, miserable. And what was the moment when you actually had to like have that look in the mirror moment and you well came to terms that you were miserable? Yeah, I, I, I remember. So it was right but right around when my son was born, so it was about four years ago, it was right when these two disgruntled clients came in and tried to smear my name all over the place. And had I not built a strong personal brand online, they could have buried me. But what happened was when they tried to do that smear campaign, people really knew who I was because of the amount of time I spent online. And the most of my audience was like, Henry, we know you're not a bad guy. You're not a fraud. You're not stealing money. And then come to find out one of those two people actually was a fraud and went to jail for embezzling a $1.3 million from two elderly women out of, out of Vegas. And my audience dug up that dirt. I didn't even know that about my client until they dug it up. So talk about building a, a, a really strong loyal following through a personal brand. People want to know the dollar amount of what personal branding can bring you. I don't know if that there even is a dollar amount to that, to that experience right there. But to your point, I realized that 
all the stuff was just a facade to cover up my insecurity and pull all that stuff away. I was just a scared little boy at the age of 36 years old. So I went to therapy. I got a mindset coach. I got a business coach. I got people around me to sort of build me up. And I'll never forget it. When shit hit the fan and I had to, I literally had to sell two of my watches back. I had to give up some personal things to get some money back flowing into the business again. And it took me like three weeks because my ego was too big to even bring those watches back to the jeweler to send them to, to buy to get them to buy them back. And uh, I remember coming home on the highway, driving home. I called my father and I was like, dad, I did it. I, I sold those watches back and it didn't sting as much as I thought it was going to. And he said to me, are you done? And I said, with what? And he said this, he said, I worked four jobs to make sure you had food on the table to eat every day and clothes on your back. Cause he raised me on his own. My parents got divorced when I was 10, my mom took off and my dad, I had no other choice. I mean, he, what, 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 else, what other option did he have? So he, he raised me and he said, what are you going to do one day when your son wants a pair of shoes, pair of sneakers, and you can't buy them because you don't have any money? He said, I didn't do that to you, so don't do it to him. And now I'm bawling. I'm, I have to almost pull over on the side of the road because I can't see him crying so bad. That was the moment, Ian, that I said, I need to shape up. I need to get financially intelligent. I need to treat my business like a business and not a hobby. I need to, I need to treat my clients better. I need to level up my skill set. I need to level up my process, my systems, and everything. And with the money that I had gotten back, plus some help from my father, I'm not going to deny that. My father helped me get back on my feet. He said, I have money set aside for you when I die. I could give it to you now because you need it, but it's not going to be replenished. So just understand you can't come to me next week or next year. Oh, I need another 20 grand. No, that's not going to happen. And so I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you drip me the money? Don't give it all to me at once because I don't think I can handle it quite yet, to be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I don't think if... And I said, drip it out to me. Let me see how much I actually need to get back on my feet. Needless to say, I only needed half of it. And I said, no, keep the other half. I'll figure the rest out. And I did. And that year, Ian, I won the Two Comma Club Award, which is generating over a million dollars with one single sales funnel. And that put me in a trajectory of where I'm at now, where I have everything sort of flying at 40,000 feet. And we've really mapped out a plan. I'm literally 
a couple of thousand dollars away. I don't want to give the exact number, but a couple thousand dollars away from getting my second two comma club award in just pretty much under two years. So these are some of the things that made me realize that money is not, not the, the, the answer. I need to be happy with the people that I'm working for with. I need to be happy with the work that I'm creating. I need to be happy personally, professionally. And that's what it comes from that that's that's where it that's where it comes from and you can make all the money in the world and still be miserable i mean ian you know and i know we know plenty of people that have millions in the bank and they're still complaining they're still miserable so it just goes to show that when you're happy with what you're doing when you found your life's purpose and your life's mission and you, you you're doing what your life's work and you're seeing the change in people, that's when you know you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. I also find that being around really good people is the, is one of the only things besides being around animals that make me just feel like I'm living in the moment. Yeah. Well, that's so important. You say that. So right now I call, I, what I, I call what, what I like to call my board of directors. So I have sort of a, board of directors around me. I have a mindset coach. I have a business coach. I have a social media coach who who's really high level, um, who I meet with once a month, like clockwork. They're part of my budget. I don't, it's, it's a non-negotiable for me. Right. Um, that I meet with once a month that helped me keep my head on because when the, the, the higher you get, you know, the more successful you become, you know, there's more shit storms, right? And so the good news is, is I don't have to put out a lot of fires in my business because we got it to a point where it's, we're, we're, we're bringing in the right clients, right? We're, we have the systems and processes in place. And this is what I'm teaching my clients now. Like I had a client last week say, Henry, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with, charging people $25,000 for what it is that I do because I'm the guy that's supposed to save the money. And I go, well, you're talking with like some serious high net worth people here or maybe not ultra net worth, but like they're making probably five or 650,000 a year. It's a decent amount of money, right? You don't think they want to spend 25 grand with you for that 25K investment to turn into a million or 250,000? Like you're in this game 28 years. Like I'll give you 25K year after year after year if you can help me grow that money. He's a financial planner. If you can help me grow that money into a million dollars in five years, if that's the goal, right? So here's the question that you ask. Get yourself, because he's thinking very one track mind. I said, let's ask this question. Next client that you or prospect, ask him, what's their, what's their financial goal for the next five years? 
let's just say it's a million dollars in wealth. Okay, ask that prospect then. All right, out of that million, what are you willing to invest? What percentage of that are you willing to invest to get you there? Let's say the client says 10% over five years. It's 20K a, a month, a year. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that deal? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically displaying to these people because it's hard too to put that type of price tag on your own services because you get nervous. Like you don't want to look like the bad guy. You don't want to come off as being, you know, cheap or, or, or just too expensive. And for him to break through that mindset that, hey, I'm worth it. But not only am I worth it, they're getting what they pay for. And it's interesting because people view high net, like high paying products as better. I mean, a great example is on Amazon, right? I do it all the time. Unfortunately, I buy the more expensive one on Amazon. I probably, why, need do, you, why do you do that? Cause I associate money with value. Yeah. But you're, so in other words, you're paying, you're paying the premium for the assurance that it's the right one, right? Like that it's you, the right one. Cause if you buy trash, it's trash, right? But if you buy something good, it doesn't become trash as fast. <laughs> People, your pricing, your pricing says a lot about you before you even open up your mouth. And that's what I was telling him. And that's what I'm coaching him up into is you're selling a $77 widget right now. A guy like me would rather pay you 25K than $77 a month because I want a bigger return. What is $77 going to bring me? That's the way my brain thinks. Right. You want to think fast and move fast. You don't want to go super slow. If you were, you were you'd be 12 years old, but your clients aren't 12 years old right now. They're trying to make moves fast. Right. And you know the power of this is the power of branding, Ian, that I don't think a lot of people see. People ask me all the time, like, what business are you in? Like when you know, we're we're meeting my son, who's gonna be four this year. We're meeting a lot of parents, right? We're we're hanging out now with with my son's friends from school and and people ask me all the time what business are you in and i get a kick out of it because i say i'm in the confidence building business and i'm like what does that mean and i said well i basically help entrepreneurs solopreneurs get the confidence and clarity they need to scale their business up to seven figures because when you have a brand that you're proud of when you feel confident that you know who you're talking to and who you're selling to, there's a different machismo about you. There's a different energy and vibe about you. And your audience is going to pick up on that. Yeah. And so when I, I always say, I say, when, when you're running off of a full tank of confidence, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. So, so true. That's so, that's a great line. Is it? So when you have a brand identity online that truly represents the value that you deliver, that is speaking to the people that you truly want to help, there's a, there's the power of brand, right? There's, there's the reason why branding is so important. 
Now taking all these lessons, and I love asking this question. It's the only question that's ever been stable in this podcast from the pretty much the beginning of time. Okay. Um, but if you could go back in time to maybe when you were like just out of college and the person you are now could have talked to the person you were then, and you could have said maybe one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, money, learning, heartache, tears. And the best answer is I wouldn't have changed anything because it made me who I am today. But let's throw that one out. Uh, what are some things that you might have might have wanted to tell yourself? Oh man, the biggest thing that I would tell myself is, Henry, you have everything that you need already to become the person that you want to be already inside of you. You just need to look within and pull it out. And that's something that I struggled with for years because I was so insecure. I was so worried about what everybody else thought of me. When in reality, nobody really cares. You got to be confident in you. You got to know what you want. And you can't really worry about what everybody else thinks. And that is what has, that held me back for years, Ian, until my late 30s, quite frankly. I'm 40 now, so that wasn't too long ago. Where I said to myself, I'm done worrying about what everybody thinks. If I want to drive that truck, I'm going to drive it because it makes me feel a certain way. I'm not buying it because my neighbor has one. I'm buying it because I want it. I like it. There's, a, there's, a, there's an energy that that truck gives me that keeps me going. I don't care if you don't like it, right? And those are some of the things that, that now I, I, I am teaching my son. You know, it, we don't, just because everybody else, because he's picking up some habits from school. I mean, we see it when he comes home and we straighten it right out. We straighten it right out. But those are the things that, that I would tell my younger self. Do it for the right reasons. Do it for you. Do it for the people you want to serve. Whatever that purpose is. Again, the whole why conversation, right? You really got to get clear on that. And do it for you, not for anybody else. And I don't mean that in a, in a selfish, you know, pretentious way. You know, you got to take care of yourself and you got to know who you are and who you're not and own it, own it. And the world of the, the world of beer oyster. Damn. Well said, my friend, it, you have a unique way of speaking your heart out when you talk and it just like doing live video, you, you wear your, uh, your heart on your chest and on your face when you're talking and you're a very good public speaker and just listening to this. I mean, I, I listen and talk to a lot of people, the guests do too. So on behalf of everyone, we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate you um, um, promoting what you're up to. I think what you're doing is, is amazing. I'm grateful to be connected with you. If everyone wants to be uh, a further, you know, inquire about your services or what you do or on Instagram, how can people follow you? Yeah, super simple. If you just go to unique designs with a Z at the end, not an S dot net, you'll get access to my YouTube channel. You'll get access to my Instagram. You'll get access to my podcast, the brand doctor podcast. And there's tons of free content there. 
We also have a masterclass on my site that'll help you understand what the top 5% of entrepreneurs are doing to scale from six figures to seven figures and give you some insight there. And, and when you go through that 20 minute video, you'll, you'll, you'll probably laugh to yourself like, oh crap, I'm doing half of this stuff and I know I shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just go to my website you'll find me there and uh ian i i, I want to say just thank you for spotting me on instagram that day and reaching out and saying hey i'd love to have you on the show i mean this was a great conversation and uh i wish you the best man thank you amen hopefully it won't be the won't be the last thank you for listening to another episode remember hope is not a strategy keep making moves till next time peace